Oh, it's a little early to be up today after staying up late last night. Unless you kind of figured it out that this wasn't going to go well for the homesteading birds and you actually got to bed at a reasonable hour. You're smarter than us, but we, we're kind of obligated to stay with the entire game. We are here to talk about the beatdown that was, the embarrassment that is, the Eagles and the Cowboys on Birds 365. Jody McDonald along with my co-host today, Jeff Curry's in for John McMullen. We'll hear from Johnny Mack a little later in the show. He was in uh, Jerry's Palace in Dallas last night. Uh, which do you prefer, Mr. Kerr? Beatdown, butt-kicking? Is there a specific descriptive adjective or group of words that you attached to last night's massacre never, in Dallas? I never thought I'd write these two words more in a story this year. Embarrassing, humiliating. That's pretty bad and pretty sad, but it is also very much on point. Uh, the Eagles got beat in almost every aspect of the game. A lot of times, like San Francisco last week, we could mention a couple things that actually went the Eagles' way that weren't that bad. They eventually lose the game. I, I am really reaching and grasping to come up with things to, in any way, shape, or form, paint a silver lining on last night's game. The, oh, by the way, numbers and points that they put up after the game was long since decided do nothing for me. Uh, Darius Slate played okay. Is that it? Uh, can you come up with anything? Uh, Jason Hargrave did uh, what he's supposed to do. Is there anything else you can point to last night? You can say, Eagles got their rear ends handed to them, but is there anything after the but? I got to do a stock up, stock down report, Jody. My stock up, Javon Hargrave, two sacks again. He's the first Eagle with multiple sacks in uh, in the first three games of the year since Trent Cole in 2006. And Cole, a whole year that year. So him, Fletcher Cox, I thought played well. That's it. I, I guess you can say Darius Slay and – no one else really should. Oh, well, Greg Ward had a touchdown. Zach Ertz had his first touchdown since week one of the of last season. So, yeah, I guess. But team-wise, this was pathetic. Borderline pathetic. No, I, I'm not even going borderline. It was pathetic. Yeah, that was exactly. Absolutely pathetic. And, yeah, Quez Watkins made one nice catch uh, and uh, good for Quez. But, again, in the uh, big picture of things, this was not good. Um Jeff, I've uh, read everybody's articles that they uh, got back from Dallas last night uh, and they rightfully beat up on all aspects of the Eagles. There's one that seems to be getting under attention to me. Uh, Jalen Hurts, bad game. Nick Sirianni, bad play calling. Uh, injuries befalling the Eagles again. Inability to tackle. Cowboys ran the ball down their throats. All the things that happened last night, they've been well documented by the Eagle beat guys down there. But no one has gone here. And believe it or not, it was probably the thing that bothered me the most. They are just woefully underprepared at this time. Granted, they won week one against Atlanta where they looked prepared and ready and everything clicked. And we didn't know what kind of team the Falcons are. And shoot, the Falcons have actually won and won since. But they beat the Giants, who I think are another god-awful team, um, so that might explain how the Eagles looked as good as they did week one. But these last two weeks, they have been woefully underprepared. 13 penalties last night. 13 penalties. They now lead the National Football League in, in penalties by a fairly wide margin. 
They led before last night's game, and now they've uh, opened up that lead over everybody else in this league. I'm very much looking forward to talking to our guy, John McMullen, in hour number two, because he would come on every day and tell us how, oh, they went short again yesterday. They wrapped it up after only 70 minutes. Another Nick Sirianni light practice. And the preseason usage of these players, guys in bubble wrap, not playing, not risking everything. How is that working out for you? You are playing like you're woefully underprepared. And oh, by the way, Eagles keep dropping like flies. Injury after injury after already down two offensive linemen. What happens? Isaac Samalo goes down late in the game. Uh, how, how did the master plan, starting in July, with them not working all that hard, all the way through undefeated in joint practices at 4-0, and ooh, we were supposed to get excited about that, uh, into the preseason where <laughs> they ended with a tie against the lowly Jets third-teamers who score on the last play to get us to a tie, and now we sit here. The only thing that bothers me, well, there's a ton of things that bother me about it, but maybe the thing that bothers me most is I don't know who to get most mad at. It's one of two people. It's either Nick Sirianni or it's Howie Roseman. Um, it's an organizational decision to underprepare the way the Eagles underprepared this year for three games in. And yeah. I'd really like to know how those conversations went behind closed doors as to we're really going to back it off. We know who the best players are. We'll make our roster decisions on the back end of the roster, but uh, we really want to go overt in protecting guys from getting hurt. And we, we know they're good enough. We know they'll be ready to go. We know. Hello, you were four eleven and one last year. How much can you know about the preparation and the guys that you have in this locker room? Jeff, it just bugs the snot out of me. I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, I don't mind the 70 minute practices as much as probably a lot of people do, but I understand. I I this is what I try telling people on social media all the time. Whoever wants to listen. You have to start listening to your elders a little more because they might know a thing or two about working hard in practice and having longer practices and, you know, not putting these guys in bubble wrap. Getting these guys ready to play a football game. You know why Eagles kicked the snot out of Atlanta week one? Because Nick Sirianni had nine months to prepare for that football game. He only had six days to prepare for the San Francisco 49ers. He only had five, six days to prepare for the Dallas Cowboys. He has five days to prepare for Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. So he's going to have a lot of sleepless nights ahead. But this is what always bugged me about that. The 4-0 in the, pre in the joint practices, that's great, Nick. I don't get to watch that. I don't really get the access to watch you beat a guy up in practice. Do it in a game. Because in the game, I saw the Patriots whoop the snot out of the Eagles. Oh, by the way, the Patriots aren't good. They're not good. They just got destroyed by the Saints. The Jets are not good. The AFC East is not good. These teams are not good. You beat the snot out of in joint practices. So, oh, by the way, I have some news for the Cowboys, too. The AFC East isn't good. The Giants stink. Washington stinks. We know the Eagles stink. It's three games. I'm already writing off the NFC East as the worst division in football. I feel like a fool actually actually trying to make a point the NFC North was worse than the NFC East. It's bad. I, it's 
this is a calamity of errors. And last night, I don't know who to blame here, Jody. I don't know if it's Howie Roseman. I don't know if it's Nick Sariani. I'll tell you what. I'll go one better. It's Jeffrey Lurie. This is all Jeffrey Lurie thinking this is such a proud franchise and a proud organization and rubbing that Super Bowl banner in from four years ago because they have just gotten progressively worse since. I think they'll win more than four games this year, but I don't see any progression in this football team at all. Progression, that's a good word. Uh, we saw none of that last night. Um, and Nick Sirianni, uh, here's where Jeff Laurie created some cover for himself. He did, when he fired Howie Roseman, say that this was a transitional year. That uh, Did I say, there's a Freudian slip, did I say fire Howie Roseman? Excuse me, fired Doug Peterson. Um, that it was a transitional year. Oh, they look quite transitional right about now. Um, as in, they may be as bad, if not worse, than they were last year at 4-11-1. Jeff did build in a little attitude to be able to evaluate this team. I'm sorry, fans don't look at it that way. They they get it that every once in a while you got to take a step back to take two steps forward. But no one likes to be a fan of a team that gets their rear ends handed to them on national TV the way the Philadelphia Eagles did last night, and especially the way that they played. 13 penalties, 13 penalties. And oh, by the way, those were only the accepted penalties. Tossing a couple of more that Dallas made a big enough play on, they said, yeah, never mind. We don't need the penalty. We'll just let the play stand as is. Or the Eagles uh, get a holding penalty and the play didn't go anywhere. Yeah, just get the fourth down, kick the ball away. Let's get over and done with. That's how sad it was that this undisciplined team And yes, I'm going to harp on this all day, probably all week until the next game. The underprepared Philadelphia Eagles last night are a tough watch. I'm sorry, Jeff, whether you slap the transitional tag on it or not prior to the season. And actually, it was more like the end of last season going ahead to this season. It's a bitter pill for Eagle fans to swallow. And yes, the coach, Nick Sirianni, felt the need to put the uh, T-shirt on leading into this week about beating Dallas and the like. And he had his motivational reasons to do it. I really don't believe that, ooh, they gave them bulletin board material and that ratcheted up the effort out of the Cowboys. But you brought attention to the rivalry. Well, when you get your you-know-what handed to you by 20 points like it was last night, oh, yeah, people are going to feel the sting that much more because as the coach pointed out, it's a rivalry game. It's one that we're supposed to be ready for and pumped up for and like. And they come out and lay that egg that they did last night. I'm sorry. It's just that much more painful. It, you know, I didn't make a big deal out of the beat Dallas t-shirt. But I said, okay, you. it's not bulletin board material, but it's bulletin board material for Eagles fans. And Eagles fans don't like, and I'm sure they don't follow the Dallas Cowboys Twitter account, but they probably saw it. What Dallas did in that, it, they didn't even do in the fourth quarter. I think it was earlier than that. Beat by Dallas with that shirt. That was a top story on CBSSports.com last night. Beat by Dallas and Dallas players' reaction. And you know what? They laughed. They thought it was funny because they knew they were ready for the Eagles. They beat them in the trench. I have not seen an Eagles team get beat that bad in the trenches since Ray Rhodes' last year. That's how long it's been. It's and I don't even think the offensive line played that bad. But defensively, and look, Hardwick and Cox had a good game. But they were beat up. 
they just were. Dallas's offensive line bullied them. It's Dak Prescott had pretty much no pressure on him outside of the uh, fumble recovery in the end zone for a touchdown the entire night. That's it, just how it was. The Eagles' offensive line, they were dominated. As a unit, they were dominated. And I didn't think Andre Diller played that poorly. But you had guys injured. You had Jalen Hurts trying for his life. And again, this is where I blame Nick Sirianni because you don't run the football. Three carries for running backs. Miles Sanders did not get the football on a carry after 5.55 remaining in the second quarter after he busted out a 24-yard run. You're right, Jody. Unprepared. Bottom line, it, it, that's coaching. It, it, and I don't want to hear Nick Sirianni's excuse. Well, that's all the game was dictated, and we were down 13 points. You were still in the football game. You were past midfield. What are you talking about? And the reason why I uh, I, I, I can't deny what he said. You are dictated often by the uh, score and the time left in the game. He got away from it way too early. There was still too much time left to be able to say, oh, we can't overcome 13 points, which, by the way, and this is a quick aside, then we'll get back to beating the snot out of the Eagles. The Cowboys missed an extra point, and then they scored two subsequent touchdowns and continued to kick the extra point. At some point, don't you know, we got to get that point back, and we have to try and go for two. I've kept. He's kicking a point again, really? He's kicking a point again? So Mike McCarthy had some questionable moments last night, too. Not as many as Nick Sirianni, but I did want to point that out. Um, here's a guy I want to ask you about. I'm watching the game like everybody else sitting here at home. And I'm waiting for the ability to either see or hear the name Ryan Kerrigan get called. And now he's going to have a bigger role or so we thought with Brandon Graham going down. I know one guy who said, damn, nice signing by the Eagles. Get him on a cap friendly deal. I think he can still get to the quarterback. I think he can still play. Uh, Howie Roseman did a good job waiting that one out and not getting him a lot of money. Cause I'm sure he asked for a lot. As soon as you get the free agent market, nobody in the league gave him how he played the waiting game and got him done for a goodly amount. He's the guy who's got a legit excuse because he had the broken finger during preseason, so he didn't get a lot of reps. See what happens when you don't get reps, Howie? See what happens when you don't get reps, Nick? You don't play. Ryan Kerrigan was somehow in there last night for 35% of the snaps. I was dying to see the snap count uh, chart as uh, soon as the game was over. I didn't see it till this morning. He was in on 35% of their plays last night. I did not see him once. I did not see him get a hand on a ball carrier. I did not see him get anywhere near the quarterback on a passing down. If he played, it was well hidden by the box score afterwards. Why is Ryan Kerrigan here? I'm beginning to wonder that too. I'm beginning to wonder if Ryan Kerrigan was on the football team until you brought it up. I mean, he's on the roster, but he's not Ryan Kerrigan. You saw the past. 10 years in Washington, it's he's just not that player anymore. And I hope I'm wrong, you know, because last year, I, it, this is the irony, Jody. I think Washington misses him. Maybe it was just the defensive scheme. Maybe it was because he took a lot of pressure off of Chase Young and Monta Sweat and Deron Payne and Matt Idones and all those guys. But it's it's just it just seems like you're trying to put a square peg in the round hole right now with Ryan Kerrigan. And, I don't think they know how to use him correctly or 
Ryan Kerrigan is just a 32-year-old edge rusher slash linebacker, whatever you want to call him these days. And I don't know. And here's the problem. Do you play Derek Barnett over him? I don't know if you saw Nick Sariani's words last night when Barnett uh, had the penalty. I don't know if you heard it. It's, Sariani went. You can read his lips. It's always him. So you have to wonder, who do you play right now? Like, How bad does this team miss Brandon Graham? Josh Sweat had a good game last night. But outside of him, it's this could be a problem the rest of the year. Ryan Kerrigan's going to have to step up. And I'm not asking a 32, 33-year-old edge rusher who's past his prime to do that right now. I'm just not. No, Josh Sweat made a couple of plays. But, oh, by the way, I'm not going to give Josh Sweat a pass. First on Derek Barnett, you are so correct. He, he is a deterrent to Eagles playing defense because he does, as always, take stupid penalties. You're right. Uh, Nick Sirianni's right as well. Josh Sweat made a couple of plays, and he does, and that's the guy that the Eagles decided to do the contract extension with. And if you had one or the other, they absolutely chose the right guy, at least in my opinion, on going forward with Sweat. But, oh, by the way, Sweat was part of the offensive line, the defensive line, that got crushed at the point of attack. That Pollard and uh, Zeke had lanes to run through like you read about. There's a reason why Harris led the team in tackles, the, uh, the safety, because he was making them all eight and nine yards down the field on Cowboy running plays. They got gashed at the point of attack so badly last night. So that includes that uh, they got nothing out of the defensive end position. Hargrave played good. Fletcher Cox played better than he has the the first two games, but not as good as, as Hargrave did. The defensive end position last night was such a wash. Uh, Brandon Graham couldn't have been more missed. None of the defensive end. You, we can put them in order. Josh Wedd didn't play as bad as uh, non-existent Kerrigan. And Kerrigan didn't play as bad as, oh, he took another stupid penalty, Barnett. Uh, Milton Williams, I don't know how often he was outside. I don't know if he was inside. We didn't make any plays either. That was just flat-out ugliness, Jeff. Oh, it was. And I'll tell you who they really made look bad, Alex Singleton. Like, Alex Singleton was pathetic last night. He just looked like – yeah, he looked like that, that guy, like you're facing in Pop Warner, that small little five-foot kid who's trying to tackle the five-foot-seven, you know, muscular 10-year-old and just got flat-out bullied the entire night. I, I never saw Ezekiel Elliott run through a band it's as badly as he did Alex Singleton last night. And that's because they didn't get any pressure up front. And it basically let Alex Singleton on an island with, with Ezekiel Elliott. Same with Eric Wilson. And you know, Barrett Brooks said it best last night on uh, the NBC Sports Philadelphia postgame show. He goes, I thought Eric Wilson was a great sign for this team to be a great asset. Well, he's not. And you know, the linebacker position is, again, it, I, I even wrote about this year. I thought it was the most talented linebacker position they've had since the Super Bowl. Maybe Howie Roseman should learn this. Um, when you actually have decent linebackers, you're going to win football games. And you're going to win championships. Because the Eagles had two in Jordan Nix and Michael Kendricks. And they said, nah, you know what? You guys aren't any good. We'll get rid of you. We don't want to pay either of you. Even though they did end up paying Kendricks. But that was Chip Kelly regime. Oh, and by the way, it, this was funny last night. I posted um, Brian Dawkins' first career sack to get me fired up for the Monday Night Football game. It was off Troy Aikman, and it was on a blitz. 
a designed blitz. I know old school Eagles fans like that, and that's what they all mentioned. Boy, I miss having a defensive coordinator that actually blitz. Look what happens when you blitz. And, oh, by the way, Brian Dawkins' first sack of his NFL career was a forced fumble off Troy Aikman that Red Hall turned in for a touchdown. So, and it was against Cowboys on Monday night. So, again, it's I, – I don't know. I just think this defense lacks creativity. I think it lacks inventiveness. And maybe John Fagan's still trying to get his scheme down. But there's more talent on this defense than what they've shown. And they did get a couple turnovers last night. That, But, really, the defense was the only reason – they were doing anything at this point. Uh, you know, they, they were the only reason they were in the game. The offense didn't score at all four minutes left. I, no, what was it? Like seven minutes left in the third quarter? It's just bad. Mm. Yeah, the uh, offense and defense didn't matter which side of the ball you're talking about. The Eagles came up small on both sides. All right, uh, we vented a little bit. We're going to get a third venter in on to this morning's show. Uh, we will make it a Mac attack here. Uh, my ex-partner, Glenn Macnow, the host of the Eagles pregame show on their radio network and their flagship station WIP here in town. He's going to join us next here on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go to get your spin on. Go to get your spa on. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go for the steaks and the steak. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. On the field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. The live postgame show is powered by IBEW Local 98. 
It's the morning after a beatdown at the hands of the Cowboys here on Birds 365. Jeff Card, Jordan McDonald here with you. Let's get a third participant in. He can beat up on him just the same way we did for the last 20 some odd minutes. It wasn't pretty down in Dallas last night. But Glenn Mack now has had to talk about Eagles' losses to the Cowboys before. I know. I sat next to him for 10 years and listened to him talk about that Cowboy win. It's a Pekin Valley rivalry. Unfortunately, last night was a uh, uh, drop down for the Philadelphia Eagles. GMAC, appreciate you coming on board. Uh, you have sat through a lot of Eagle Cowboy matchups. This is probably not the ugliest one you've ever seen, but it's got to be one of the ugliest. Is that fair to say? Yeah, bottom five. Um, and, you know, it's, listen, um, I, we didn't really know what to expect um, because the Eagles have a new coach, new quarterback, new everything. I was surprised that they were three, three and a half point underdogs. I thought that was being fairly kind to the Eagles, but I certainly did not expect, fellas, that we're going to get the door off in every aspect of the game. And um, it was a it was an embarrassment to the franchise, to the city, to the fan base, national television, as bad as it gets. Glenn, you've been around a long time in this city. Where would you rank this loss amongst all the Cowboys losses over the years? Oh, man, I'm trying. You know, you're asking me to go down an unpleasant road that I uh, <laughs> not to. Uh, I mean, I remember there was the playoff loss uh, some years ago where they just never were in the game. That was pretty terrible. Uh, there was a game in the rain where Emmett Smith ran for 230-something yards. Uh, the one thing that I'll always remember about that game that I didn't know at the time is, Johnny, am I correct? That's the day you met your wife? No, my I met Carol oh. uh, Eagles uh, Giants. Um, oh, okay. Uh, remember I thought it had to do Keith, with the Emmett Smith game. No, no. Keith Byers... Uh, took Pepper, uh, what's his name, the linebacker, about Pepper Johnson, 25, sure. Pepper Johnson, about 20 yards out of bounds on a block, just kept driving him from uh, the, the vet basically into the second row of the stands. Yeah, that was the great. day that I actually met my wife. It was tied oh, to okay. an Eagle game. Well, that's just a different Eagle game. Nice day all around. Anyway, I, I don't know. I mean, I'd have to look through, you know, whether they were, they were, games back in the in the Cowboys heyday I'm talking the first Cowboys heyday in the 70s when the Cowboys would be up 45 to 6 and call timeout so the backup quarterback could throw a home uh, a touchdown pass I mean those were more embarrassing but in the last 15 20 years this was as bad as I've seen it GMAC um what bothered me more than anything else and maybe it's just the way that I think coming at it from a an overall organizational viewpoint this was embarrassing because the Eagles this preseason, from the time they showed up, Nick Sirianni's first day with a whistle around his chest, went through the motion. They didn't practice long. They didn't practice hard. They took care of their play. They were going to be less injured coming into the season. Well, let's see how that's working for them. They look woefully unprepared during the games, and their players are dropping like flies with injuries. And I had yeah. to believe that that's an entire organizational decision. Can we now say, just stamp it as a failure, that they were going to do it a little differently, practice smarter, not harder? Uh, it seems to have blown up in their face three games in. Am I being overly harsh? Well, you're being overly harsh because you are neglecting the fact that they remain undefeated in the joint practices, which I'm not <laughs> sure how you looked at the we, standings we, today. We did but, bring that up. You know. They got that going for him, which is nice. Um, yeah, it's it's it 
it really did appear to serve no purpose since they have these injuries, which seemed to be what they were saying they wanted to avoid. Uh, and I thought yesterday it really served them poorly because you had two offensive linemen have to get in the game uh, who hadn't played much. Landon Dickerson had to start at guard, and he hadn't practiced at all. Now, I know he's, he's coming off an injury, but he could have played in some of those preseason games, gotten a little bit adjusted to being in there, and he just looked lost uh, half the time. And um, adding to that, and I know we're going to get to coaching, so maybe I'm jumping the gun here. I thought it, it, this is one of the worst coach games I've ever seen. And a large part of that was the head coach knows that he's playing a rookie at tackle and uh, a guy stepping in Andre Dillard at left. I mean, a rookie at guard and Andre Dillard ste- stepping in at left tackle. And his plan was to throw it on every single down. You're killing those linemen, which ended up killing your quarterback. Yeah, you want to bring up the quarterback. Jalen Hurts makes his seventh career start. He's thrown the ball 39 times. They only ran three design runs. Like, does Nick Sirianni realize he has Miles Sanders on this football team? It, it wasn't the point of this, bringing him in, was to run the football more, kind of like how Frank Wright did it. It, it just seems like this is anti-Colts. It's – listen, there are games where, you know, it kind of gets away from you and you're behind and you have to throw the ball, and we all understand that. But as you said, Jeff, through – runs that's the entire game three and one of the things that nick said as a, a rationale for it was that you know with dallas's offense we expected to be in a shootout so we figured we had to do that but to me if you're playing a team that you fear has an explosive offense if if you can t- take the ball away from them jody we all remember how the giants beat the bills in that super bowl that time they just held the ball ball ran the ball and the ball and the the Eagles would have been much better served yesterday to try to get some running game, a running game going to eat up the clock, to slow down Dallas's offense, to keep the ball away from him. And he never did. I've never seen a game where a guy ran the ball three times. It's, it's preposterous. It's ridiculous. It's inexcusable. Now, maybe I'm letting Nick Sirianni too much off the hook here, but uh, again, I'm just perturbed with the entire organization today. Uh, a lot was made of, a lot of reporting done on the fact that Doug Peterson, when he was the coach on Mondays after games, would have to report to Jeff Lurie's office and they would go over the previous week's game and talk about the game calling. And that even after a victory in Green Bay, Doug was questioned, well, did you feel you needed to throw the ball more than you did? Uh, hello, they went into Green Bay and beat a favored Packer team. And really, a second second guess the coach and his play calling is a pretty big story. Got a lot of traction in this town, Mac man. Is Nick Sirianni in that same exact position now that he yeah. feels the need to throw the football because the organization likes to be ahead of the curve in the NFL and it's all about throw, 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 throw? Is that an explanation for three running plays in last night's game against the Cowboys? No. No, that's an explanation for 15 running plays. That's an explanation if you say, okay, well, we're going we're gonna to pass it 70% of the time. And, and and it's a bad explanation because you're the head coach. You really should be doing it the way you believe it. And if it costs you your job, at least you go out on your own terms. I don't even think Jeff Lurie and Howie Roseman in their wildest dreams would have a game plan where a very good running back, by the way, the running back who's got the fifth highest yards per carry in the league over the last three years would have – Three, count them. I got to get my hands. Where's my hand? There you go. Three, 
carries. Nobody, nobody wants that. No team in the NFL does that. No pad team ever does that. It was insane. Um, and it's on Nick. It's not on Lori. It's not on Roseman. It's on Nick. Nick's the head coach. It's his job. Yeah, three. One thing. There you go. <laughs> One thing I wanted to mention, Glenn. Everybody seems to be blaming Howie Roseman today. He's the whipping boy. Fine. I, I understand that. But why does no one blame the guy who continues to employ Howie Roseman? Jeffrey Lurie, he's still there. It's I don't understand this. Like, if you you know, I, I get it it doesn't make a lot of sense to actually blame the owner, but, but he's, he's still the there. Who, it's a, yeah, he's still wait, there. Exactly. He's not going anywhere either. I mean, why, why does Jeffrey He's still Lurie, there. He owns the team. What do you – you can't fire him. Well, well he's because I, the I'm not the one pointing fingers at Roseman or Lurie. I, I, but I, I'm, you said everybody's blaming Roseman. Listen, there's a lot of things you can blame Roseman about. My – So, is Glenn freezing up on us? Might be the case. Not a uh, not an unflattering picture. He looked good, at least, when the uh, computer froze up on him. No, I, I kind of think I'm by myself, Jeff. I, I Glenn kind of questioned your words there, and I would, too. Everybody's blaming Howie Roseman. No, I think I'm the only one who's blaming Howie Roseman. Everyone else is pointing fingers at the, the coach and the players, and uh, I, I'm the guy who's kind of annoyed at the entire organization because of the way they handled preseason, because they decided that they were going to practice – smarter uh not harder uh i'm the guy who's getting on the uh, organization aka howie roseman i'm not calling it uh uh yeah just nick sirianni coached a god-awful game last night and his play calling was hideous but uh i think there were mitigating circumstances behind the scenes that are leading to some of the legal issues uh mac man we got you back again that, that's yeah yeah, and I and I heard what you just said, and and listen, I don't, I don't disagree that that philosophy does appear to have served them poorly, uh, and that is certainly part of the story. But I was alarmed at a couple of things. Uh, I was alarmed, uh, and I know it's Nick Sirianni's third game as a head coach, but I was really alarmed at how poorly prepared he was, and concerned that the Harry High School uh, part of him that we all feared may really be there. You know, the Eagles, the, the, the T-shirts during the week and how he gushed after the game about how it was to see Dak Prescott live and stuff and brought back those fears that he's a little bit in over his head. And the other thing that concerned me a lot was just how poorly Jalen Hurts played. Um, Sirianni didn't help him through the play calling. The offensive line didn't uh, protect him, but I felt that Hurts has really regressed and he just, it seems like he's not going through the progression. Um, you know, he's not, he's not, he's just kind of throwing it to the first guy he sees. And I, and he seemed a little panicked yesterday. And that, that worries me when your quarterback looks panicked. G-Mac, let me ask you about uh, the point of attack. Uh, the Eagles didn't run the ball at all. And the Cowboys ran it right down the Eagles' throats. I thought Hargrave and Fletcher yeah. played well in the middle, but they got double teamed on almost every single play. The Eagle defensive ends and the Eagle linebackers were on the field. We know that because they got credit for it afterwards in snap counts, but they didn't make a play all night long. Is that Jonathan Gannon? Is yeah. that they don't have enough talented players at those positions? 
they were that that's if you're a diehard football fan, the fact that you're physically dominated at the point of attack should be the most concerning thing to you. And the Eagles got dominated badly at the point of attack. Who should we point in the finger or blame at there? Um, well, that organization and Janet, because as we know, this team. Uh, issues with MacMan's uh, Wi-Fi again. That's one of the things you have to deal with when you're doing a streaming show and you're uh, relying on somebody else's Wi-Fi to be able to uh, carry the day. And uh, I'm not sure if uh, Glenn's Wi-Fi is up to the task. So I'll turn the question I asked to Glenn to you. Or are we going to take one more shot with uh, GMAC? No, he's back. No, his, uh, his Wi-Fi is still zotching out on him. Um, Jeff Carr, how badly did the Eagles get played, uh, beaten at the point of attack? And who should we be questioning? Just the individual players, the guy who put the roster together, the defensive coordinator? There's a lot of uh, blame to go around. How would you ferret it out? Yeah, I think it's a combination of things, honestly. It's maybe an aging offensive line. I think you're forced to play guys that, Probably we're not ready to play, obviously. Landon Dickerson is one of them. And, you know, Glenn pointed that out. Landon Dickerson just looked bad last night. He, he did. And, you know, I think Landon Dickerson is a really good offensive lineman. I thought he was in college. But with the injury, I think that set him back a bit. And he's just not ready to be a starting right guard in the National Football League. So do you go with Nate Herbig, who, I mean, you kind of – made your bed with him it's like okay well you're playing Landon Dickerson because he's a high draft pick or you know what does that say about Nate Herbig he's just depth at that point like Isaac Sayamalu's hurt now I I you know you're really gonna miss him you know what do you do right now it's you're back in the same situation as you were last year yeah you have depth on the offensive line but it's not you know there's a reason why these guys aren't starters and you know yeah they, they could be on a lot of NFL rosters but you're not relying on these guys to play 10-plus games every single season, which makes me question how they're developing these guys. And Jeff Stallion does an amazing job of developing players, but the guys they're picking, the guys in the draft, how many draft picks they're hitting on. It's I haven't seen an Eagles team get beat this bad in the trenches in a very, very long time, and that's – what's concerning to me and yeah they have depth they have a lot of guys on this offensive line but maybe these guys just aren't ready to play meaningful nfl snaps yet and as uh, much as they got beat at the point of attack when the offensive line was on the field for the eagles i'm more concerned with the defensive line and glenn's back with us um they they just got manhandled last night glenn other yeah. than the two guys in the middle hargrave and cox Defensive ends, linebackers, the fact that Harris, their deep safety, had to make 14 tackles, most of them eight or nine yards downfield. Is that the new defensive coordinator who people are saying is a lock to be a head coach someday? His defense got torched last night. Yeah, it sure did. Um, I, well, listen, they miss Brandon Graham. We know that we're waiting for Josh Sweat to, to step up and dominate the way we hope he can since they gave him the contract. But Jody, we know this this franchise has devalued linebackers since they let Jeremiah Trotter go 20 years ago to Washington, and they continue to. Um, and I thought when they signed Eric Wilson, like that was going to be a good sign. He was going to make a difference. He's he's nothing out there. Uh, and Singleton got a lot of praise, and I didn't see Singleton do anything worthwhile yesterday. I think that 
You're right. The defensive line got manhandled yesterday, but in the long term, I think the linebackers are my biggest concern there. They got they have nobody who's an NFL caliber linebacker. That's what's concerning to me too, Glenn. Just the fact that they ignored that position. I mean, I said to Jody earlier, the last time they had two decent linebackers is when they won the Super Bowl, Hicks and Kendricks, and they kind of said, Yeah, we're not paying you. They kind of gave him the trotter route. One thing I'm concerned with too is the lack of depth on this team. I mean, I was talking about the offensive line. They have guys that just aren't ready to play meaningful NFL snaps. And it just seems like that across the board. Well, so my question is, what were your expectations? Um, I thought I said they'd be seven and 10 this year. Um, so when they beat Atlanta the first week and lost to San Francisco the second week, that's about what I thought. Although they did have the chance to win that game against San Francisco. That's for sure. Um, I didn't expect them to get blown out against the Cowboys, and the schedule coming up now is really tough. What is it? Kansas City, Carolina, Tampa, at Vegas, I think, are the next four. Yeah. There's not an easy one there. You're lucky if you win one of those. I compare this to Andy Reid's first year. You know, I, my goal is for them is I want to see them finish stronger than they start, which at this point is a pretty low bar. <laughs> but that's what I want to see. If they win six, seven games and they look better in December than now, assuming that not everybody on the team is hurting out for the year, that's that's it. I don't, I don't, I never expected them to win the division. Nor did I. Um, but that, to get their tails kicked, where you only you remember what happened most recently, which is what yeah, uh, twelve hours ago. Yeah, and and that and listen, down off the field. Yeah, and that wasn't just bad. That was hideous. No question. No All right, uh, G-Mac, I don't want to do this because I sung the kids' praises. I sat here and said the Eagles made a great move by jumping back up in the first round to get their hands on Devonta Smith, and I still am going to cling to the fact that I think the kid's going to be a star in the NFL. He really hasn't done a whole hell of a lot in three games. He had an no. okay opener, first pat, catch ever, a touchdown on a great play. It's kind of been downhill since. Did yeah. a lot against San Francisco, did next to nothing, fell down on the pick six last night. Should we be concerned? I fought off all of those who said this skinny little kid's not going to work in the NFL. Am I going to have to eat my words on that? I don't think so, because I don't think the issue is that he's getting manhandled. I don't see him getting thrown down, you know, two feet off the, off the line. Um, I think, first of all, He's they're in a tough spot because the quarterback's got no time and the quarterback's not throwing accurately. But secondly, hey, rookie wide receivers aren't always Justin Jefferson. Rookie wide receivers often struggle. Mike Quick caught eight eight passes his first season in the league. It's not atypical for guys who become pro bowlers to in their first year catch 25, 30, 40 catches. So, nah, three games into it, I'm not going to worry. Although I will say one thing. Micah Parsons looked really good there, didn't he? Yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you mentioned Andy Reid's first year, and maybe that's the expectations I should go with here. Uh, maybe, I, I don't know. I, I'm trying to remember the game. I think it was the second game they played against Tampa. They got absolutely destroyed. Uh, I remember Doug was basically beat up at the point of attack all day long. Um, Donovan came in. It wasn't any better. I think they lost like 19 enough or something like that. Would you compare like this guy, this type of loss in Nick Sirianni's career, uh, young career to Andy Reid's young career? Because it seemed like the Eagles got progressively better after that. Yeah, um, I don't remember that game specifically, but I really hope this is a low mark. Again, 
Dallas came out from the very first possession and dominated. Dallas dominated on every single aspect of the ball. They could run at will with Elliott and Pollard. They, uh, Dak had open receivers on every play. He found the tight end any single time he wanted to find him. On the other side of the ball, they put pressure on Hurts every single play. I don't know if the Eagles – well, the Eagles ran the ball, what, three times and gained 30-something yards doing it, so maybe they should have tried that. Um, so I hope this is the low point of this coach's career, and three years from now – we are we are headed to Super Bowl fifty eight, uh, maybe whatever it is in where whatever London or wherever they choose to play it that year. That we can look back at this game and go, boy, remember that? Oh, oh, none of us believed in the guy that day. He showed us. Quickie quiz for you, G Mac. Fingers are crossed. What, what uh, level of higher learning? Did Dalton Schultz, who caught the ball at will last night, actually graduate from? This is this a trick question? No. Oh. Uh, I will guess he's got a master's of philosophy from uh, Harvard University. Not bad. One of the better universities in the country, but wrong side of the country. He's a Stanford grad. The reason I ask is, I had no freaking idea before last night. Who the hell is Dalton Schultz? Fourth round pick out of Stanford two years ago. I don't even know who he is, and he's on the so, Cowboys. I should know, but yeah. he looked like a damn superstar last night against the Eagles defense. Yeah, so I went to my Yahoo Fantasy page today to see if I had won, which I, in fact, did win because the guy playing against me had C.D. Lamb last night, who fortunately was the only guy who wasn't part of their offense, so I got the win, but... I went to the page that shows you transaction trends just to see, like, Dalton Schultz was the number two most picked up guy in the last 12 hours. So I don't know if he's going to carry it into next week, but there are a lot of people playing fantasy football who noticed him. So um, my, my question is, G-Max, sorry, Jeff, I'll let you get up in a second here. Again, I, I hate to be that guy, but that's what we do here on Birds 365 Wins, yeah. we praise people. Losses, we blame fingers. Uh, point fingers of blame. Uh, secondary safeties, linebackers, Jonathan Gannon. How do you make Dalton Schultz into the second most picked up guy on Yahoo's fantasy league when nobody knew who he was prior to last night's game? Well, you spend your day in too deep safety, right? Think worried about their very good wide receivers. Um, you have enough other guys focus, say, hey, we're getting gashed by Elliott and Pollard. We got to pay attention to them. And you're not good enough to cover everybody. Let's leave the guy Jody McDonald never heard of alone because they're not going to find him. And the one thing Dalton Schultz proved is he can catch a football when it's thrown to him. One thing I actually thought the Eagles did well last night was they went back to their tight ends, uh, their bread and butter, Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard. And Lo and behold, they actually moved the football going to their tight ends. It's do, do you see that as a positive sign for this team that they can move the ball consistently going forward if they actually go across the middle of the field? Yes. You're you're like the guy who walks walking into a, a building that was just bombed out, and you're going like, hey, look, I found this one book. It's intact. Um, <laughs> but, yes, and I think that when you have a young quarterback and he can lean on good tight ends – it's a helpful thing, and the Eagles do have two of them, and that's it's something that they have to do this year. I love the bomb. We all love the bomb, 
But in order to be able to throw that, you got to have four to five seconds protection. And that's not going to happen a lot. So he's going to have to get rid of the ball quick. And those tight ends are going to be open a lot. So that's that's a good in, a good bet for them. Yeah, after last week's San Francisco game, you saw the flow chart of all the passes. Nothing over the middle, everything to the outside. At yeah. least they did complete some passes over the middle last night. So we know that the quarterback is capable of doing it. He had some passes that guys were open, tight ends, and he missed through them. So it wasn't a perfect night for Hurts, but at least that is is one thing you can consider a positive. One of the things that I can't consider a positive, Glenn, is next week is the Chiefs. Next week is the return of Andy Reid. And we're all hoping Andy's healthy. I've not seen an update. He left after the game was taken to the hospital by ambulance. I did hear overabundance of caution, which is a phrase we've all needed to get used to over the last uh, 20 months or whatever, how sure. long the pandemic's been in place. Um, but we hope that Andy's fine and he's good to go on Sunday when uh, the Chiefs come down. They're one and two, same as the Eagles. They've been to two straight Super Bowls. Unlike the Eagles, they're yeah. going to come in with a mat on it and a chip on their shoulder. Andy Reid's going to come into Philadelphia as motivated, and I think he's the kind of guy who can have his team motivated. How ugly could it get Sunday, Glenn? It'll be ugly until Andy decides he's had enough and calls off the dogs because he's not going to want to embarrass a rookie coach in the city where he spent so many years and he respects Jeff Lurie. Uh, and I, I think Andy will get up to a 35 to 10 lead and then just, you know, run the ball into the middle of the, into the middle, the middle of the line. Uh, but Andy will not Andy, and yes, let's hope he's feeling better. What I heard is it was dehydration, which is, you know, that's that let's hope so. Uh, Andy's not going to break a sweat next week. Andy is going to have the easiest game he has coached in a long time. And he'll decide when that game's over. And my hunch, it's about midway through the third quarter. Yeah, Glenn, I, I kind of wanted to mention Andy Reid, too, a bit. Like, you know, I'm sure he'll get asked the questions this week. I'll probably ask him one when I have – I go in on his media session on Wednesday, but you know, I know he's close with Jeffrey Laurie. I know he has a high level of respect for him, but the city of Philadelphia, the fans, you have more of a pulse of it than I do at this point. Do they, are they kind of turned on Andy Reed or, you know, do they still kind of have that visceral toward him or, or what's it like, or just don't they care anymore? No, I said, no, Eagle fans care forever. We, we, we hold grudges and we hold passions. So, it's never like, oh, we've moved on from Nick Foles. We don't even think about that. And yes, we do. We think about all of that, always. Um, I think Andy Reid is kind of in that situation where we uh, appreciate him much more now than we did when he was here. Uh, you know, you live with somebody and you, after, after, what was it, 12, 13, 14 years, um, it was time for the breakup. God, I'm, I, am, I, I hate to use the metaphor of it being like an affair, you know, like a love affair or something or a marriage or whatever, but it kind of is. Sure. When you step away from it and you're a few years away, you remember the good stuff. And I think with Andy Reid, people remember the good stuff. It was a lot more good than it was bad. It's frustrating that they never won the Super Bowl, but I think Eagle fans um, have a ton of respect and admiration for Andy. And when he goes to Canton, I think there'll be a good number of Eagle fans there. All right. G Mac, last thing. Um, I'm in my car on Saturday, early afternoon, don't even know what time it was. 
but I've got uh, my ex-partner, Glenn Macknell, punched up with uh, Ray Dinger on WIP. And Ray, who I may respect, I respect you a hell of a lot, but he's been doing it longer than you, so I might mm -hmm. respect him a little bit more. It's all right. Um, he's Ray. He's Ray. Uh, was pretty damn pessimistic on the Phillies. That they're still oh, in a playoff position. They're in the run. They're in the hunt. Yes. And he was really down on the Phillies. I'm going, damn, Ray's not like this. They were guys who got the hot takes and got to beat up on people oh. and are always negative. That's not Ray Dinger. And he was giving the Phillies no love. Forget about love. Not even any respect. I was surprised by that. Is he going to be as down on the Cowboys, uh, the Eagles, because of what the Cowboys did to them? Are you going to have Evil Roy again on Saturday <laughs> because they got their tails kicked the way they did last night? No, um, no, because I think he his expectations with the Eagles are are more in the vein of mine, which is this is a this is a growth season, so it's like we didn't expect them to do it. What what bothers Ray with the Phillies, if I may speak for him, is. He does not think they are a worthy postseason contender, um, nor a particularly likable team, really more the first than the second. And Ray's been watching Phillies teams for a lot of years and does not view this as a playoff team. So it's kind of annoyed him all year as people have touted them as a team that's going to get to the postseason because he thinks they're just a, an extremely mediocre team. So... My point of view on this is I may not disagree with his ranking of them as a mediocre team, but if they somehow sneak into the playoffs with 85, 86 wins, um, I'll take it. Right. Uh, even and, if, even if they don't, even if they don't last in the playoffs, I'd rather them make the postseason than not. And Jody, I believe the New York Mets one time, was it 1973 got to the world series with like 83 wins or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. All the World Series of A3 wins. Yeah. So, uh, you know. They, they were ahead of the A's in that World Series and coughed it up, as a matter of fact. Uh, yeah, yeah, you get any, you get in, you get in the dance, you take your chance. And that's exactly that's... where the Phillies are. And if they don't win a division, the Braves aren't going to be that much better, and they're going to make the playoffs. So if somebody pretty weak from the NL East is going to make the playoffs, might as well be the Phillies, right? I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you. If you want to try to persuade Ray more than I have, good luck with that. <laughs> no, good luck to you on Saturday taking another shot with it. I'm interested to see what he's got to say about the Eagles because that was it. The, the Phillies frustrate you. The Eagles embarrassed you last night if you were an Eagles. They sure fan, did. But yeah. I digress. G-Mac, always a pleasure. Glenn, thank you very much. You know, we'll tap into you as the season rolls along. Thanks for doing it with us today. Jody, Jeff, nice to see you guys. Sorry about the technical stuff. I've realized it works better on my phone, so here we are. He did a good job right. catching up. Thanks, brother. Nice. Appreciate it. That is Glenn Macnow, the host of the Eagles pregame show on the Eagles radio network and their flagship station, WIP. You can catch him on the weekends with his buddy and partner, Ray Dinger, who, yeah, it was. He was he was Mr. Negativity last weekend. I was surprised by Ray. I needed to get a confirmation of that. All right, Jeff Carr, Jody McDonald, do you birds? 365, guys. We'll come back. We'll continue to break down. What the hell happened to the Eagles last night? John McMullen will join us from Dallas. We'll get him up uh, after a rough night's sleep after the way the Eagles played, we're sure. He'll join us coming up at 20-some-odd uh, minutes from now here on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go to get your spin on. Go to get your spa on. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub. 
and in your drink. Go for the steaks and the steak. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at mesalaw.com. Mesa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Go for the midnight cares. Go for the game. Go for the hits, go for the fans, go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. The live postgame show is powered by IBEW Local 98. You're tuned to Birds 365. Jeff Curry for John McMullen. If you're not, McMullen's going to join us probably about 27 minutes from now. He's down in Dallas with there to cover the game last night, which means he, like every Eagle fan today, are licking their wounds after the beatdown they incurred in the, uh, at the hands of the Dallas Cowboys uh, last night. It's uh, tough to say. Final score, 41-21. And the game was not as close as the final score may be indicative of. But that's the way I felt, Jeff. They were just manhandled in every aspect of the game. Um, You can give credit where credit is due some of the Cowboys. And I know that's difficult for some Eagle fans. They don't want to ever give Cowboys credit for anything. Uh, But they do have a talented offense, and they did move the ball tremendously last night, both on the ground and through the air, which makes uh, last night bitter pill even that much more bitter to swallow. But the thing that bothers me as much as anything else was they were dominated physically in the game. They lost in both trenches on their offensive line against the Cowboy defense. And with their defensive line against the Cowboy offense, they they were just uh, manhandled, which I thought that was one of the things they had going for them. How many times have you said, I said, anybody said, well, the Eagles have a chance to be competitive this year because they're good in the trenches. 
that they're going to get healthy on their offensive line, and it's going to be a major step up and improvement. And they've got some talent on the defensive line where they should be able to make plays. They were in the top ten in sacks last year. Oh, they got manhandled uh, in the trenches last night by a Cowboy team that isn't seen as as good. Certainly on the offensive line a couple of years ago, they were the best in the league. Nobody's saying that anymore. And on the defensive line, they had injuries galore and had to take their first-round draft pick, Micah Parsons, and move him from linebacker to defensive line just to make sure they had four starters. And that didn't stop them from getting to the Eagles and making Jalen Hurts' life very difficult last night. Yeah, I think that was a more shocking thing to me was how the lanes Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard had, the you know, basically the Eagles were manhandled in the B gap. Uh, not not the A gap, obviously, because I thought Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave played a really good game. But For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Cowboys definitely made a point of emphasis. Look, we're going to go in the B gap, we're going to go in the C gap, and we're going to get to the second level, and we're going to test these linebackers. Oh, they were tested all right because there was just no penetration up front, as you said, Jody, the point of attack just was not good. On the offensive line, look, Andre Dillard, we kind of expect – I actually thought Andre Dillard played a little better than I thought he was going to play last night, so I got to give him props for that. But when they lost Isaac Sayamalo, too, and I know it was in the second half, but it really got bad after that. And, you know, Landon Dickerson just didn't look ready. They missed Brandon Brooks. They missed Jordan Malata. And even – this is with Andre Dillard – playing better than I thought they just needed guys to be healthy. And I think that was the key to this season. Can these guys stay healthy for a full 17 game season? Well, no, you have a season ending injury to Brandon Graham. Brandon Brooks is on IR. We all know how long Jordan Milad is out. It's not good, Jody. And maybe we should have, we should have probably expected this just because of all the injuries. And one guy, I kind of just give a little bit of a nod to because uh, and I saw him. He was one of the guys that faced the media last night after the game. Not everybody did. Jason Kelsey, all he does is do his job day in, day out, every single snap, never gets hurt, afterwards faces the media, and you don't hear about him because, oh, shockingly, he's an eagle who doesn't take penalties. 13 penalties left. 13. They, they lead the National Football League by a long stretch in the number of penalties. So that's one of two things for me. And this is where I'm going to get Nick Sirianni's kitchen. Um, It's just the coaching period that he's not getting through to these guys and they're not paying attention to what he's saying, or they're on the lazy side or, and this could be the bigger problem. It's something I harped on hour number one and will continue to harp on here in hour number two, that they're underprepared that they're not ready to play because they don't put enough time and effort into getting ready when they're together on the field as a team, AKA practice. I know Allen Iverson didn't like practice. I'm hoping that the Philadelphia Eagles aren't the same. I know you can only do so much that has been collectively bargained that the days of 
two-a-days and four-hour practices and yesteryear are done, and they're never coming back. But even in the now watered-down, cut-back time frames that teams are allowed to actually get worked in, the Eagles come in lesser than almost everybody else in the league. Is it showing up for them on the field that the way that they handled the preseason all the way through to game number one against Atlanta was misguided? That they said, we're going to bend over backwards to make sure we get none of our players hurt. Well, guess what? Now their players are hurt. Did anyone give any consideration to maybe working out and working together and practicing would build up stamina and maybe get you more resilient to injury? That's the thing that's rubbing in my craw today, the fact that they did so little work before the season, and these are the results you're getting like last night's game against the Cowboys. I want to add on to this, Jody. This wasn't even just training camp. If you remember correctly, in minicamp, they ended early. They didn't have the mandatory minicamp practices because the players, I forget the excuse, honestly. It was because, you know, uh, we had a meeting and, you know, and I get it. It was still, you know, with the COVID stuff. I, I understand it, but other teams had their mandatory minicamps and got in those reps in the offseason. And they did more than the Eagles did in training camp. And the Eagles just touted, we're 4-0 in the joint practices. Well, that's that's wonderful. You know, they don't count toward anything. And, you know, in the actual game reps, people saw, and look, I defended them because they mostly played second teamers. Well, yeah, they do run training camp practices harder than they do a preseason game. But Maybe Nick Sirianni should have taken those preseason game reps a little more to heart because Jalen Hurts only got 10, what, what was it, 10 snaps in the preseason? Correct. Like that, it wasn't that much. And the first team just didn't get a lot of reps. And the Eagles kind of looked like a third preseason game last night, like an offense that just did not look prepared. They didn't look like they, they practiced a lot or, you know, they didn't look like a team should look in week three of the season. You're supposed to get better as the weeks go on. Week one's supposed to be your week link, and then you're supposed to get progressively better. I mean, look at the Green Bay Packers. Um, but they just, I, I don't know. I, I'm concerned with a lot of things the Eagles do or how they're trying to outsmart people and this and that. And the only head coach, and I hate to give this guy credit because I can't stand it, but the only head coach I actually kind of felt over the last, since Andy Reid left, that actually kind of got the gist of, the whole practice thing was Chip Kelly because they always did everything hard. They did everything fast and they did it in games. And, you know, you could never say in his first two years, they weren't prepared for a football game because they were, they were going to do it their way. And it, I don't want to say it fully worked, but they stuck to their game plan. And I look, I can't stand giving Chip Kelly credit for this, but they did everything fast. They found a way to stay healthy, and the Eagles never really kept that philosophy, that sports. They, they kind of got rid of some of the stuff Chip, Chip Kelly was doing. Maybe he was on to something with the sleep tracker and, you know, basically having the Whoop app, you know, eight years before Whoop was a thing with Patrick Mahomes, you know, you know, watching your heart rate, watching all that stuff. But, you know, keeping these guys in bubble wrap, they get hurt. They just do. It's football. You know, you have to get the bumps and bruises out, and – that's why I always respected the Kansas City Chiefs having such a physical training camp. And, you know, Sean McVay, 
he never practiced guys in the preseason. He never played them in the preseason, but they always had tough training camps from what I was told. So maybe the Eagles need to go back to that. I, I don't know. But whatever they're doing through three games, it's it's clear it's not working. Thank you for uh, reminding me about that. Uh, I had completely forgotten. You're right. Training camp started. As I said earlier, the first time uh, Nick Sirianni got to wear a whistle around his chest was the beginning of training camp. No, actually, it was in the pre-camp stuff, the non-mandatory pre-camp stuff. Because you're right, it was an issue around the league. The, uh, the union was trying to say, no, we would just want to do everything virtually again. Uh, there's no reason to bring people in for uh, before camp opens up for work. We can do everything. We got to it last year with everybody doing virtually. Why don't we do it again? And it had to be a negotiation that was handled by each team individually as to how many sessions they were going to have, how much was going to be done. As a matter of fact, Nick Sirianni got a lot of credit because he got together with some of the veterans. They agreed that they weren't going to make anything mandatory, but everybody was going to come in because there were going to be some players that say, no, I'm not coming in. I'm just going to do it virtually. Uh, that's what we agreed upon last year, and the CBA hasn't changed. So that's what I uh, would like to continue to do at this point. Nick was part of the team that negotiated that out and got everyone there for at least however much they did get done. But you're right. They had nothing that was mandatory and they had one less session than everybody else because other teams did have their mandatory weeks and stuck to their guns and had some guys not show up for camp. But those who did show up were mandatory to be there. You're right. It goes back even before camp opened up. And I think they look woefully underprepared and ready for this upcoming season. So um, that is something I want to run by John again, because that's his gig. He's uh, a hands on beat guy there every single day so we'll get some of the details from him the other thing i'm interested in talking with john about and uh let me get your take on it here uh before we punch j mac up last week he really was worried about the eagle head coach that he thought nick sirianni in a couple of his uh, media gatherings seemed like a guy who had started to question himself that he was talking himself into the fact that he deserved to be the coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. He used the Stuart Smalley reference from Saturday Night Live of, damn it, I'm good enough. Uh, I'm smart enough. I'm good enough. Um, and he thought it really was a major concern that maybe Nick Sirianni is a little overwhelmed by the job. Glenn talked about it when we had him on about the Harry High School stuff and the rah-rah and whatever only goes so far and then it hits a wall. Can we be seeing cracks in the fissures for Nick Sirianni three games into his reign as the Eagles head coach? Yeah, especially when you take a beat down like that and, you know, you're getting questions left and right. And, look, Philadelphia is a tough city. It, it just is. It's a tough city to coach in. It's a tough city to play in, as Ben Simmons still hasn't figured out yet. Um, but uh, I digress. Uh, but, yeah, Nick Sirianni kind of showed humility a bit. And, you know – I know it's it's tough to be honest with people, but maybe that's how he copes with it. Hey, look, you know, I had a lot of sleepless nights wondering. You know, he said that, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, Nick. Like, I, I know a lot of coaches have this, but none of them actually admit it to people. And, you know, him, like you said, Jody, him questioning himself. It's, you know, and I hope he gets through this, you know, because, again, 
we're three games in, and I don't want to know what he was thinking last night, you know, because you are a first-time head coach in this league. And people said, and he read it, he heard it, he studied his own initial press conference about how he's not ready for this. And he's a human. We all are. You take it to heart when people criticize you, even though their opinions really don't matter. You just do. And he's going to hear probably what you say, what I say, what WIP says, what everybody else on Twitter says. He's going to get that information. And he's going to wonder, am I good enough to be a head coach in the National Football League? And it's how he perseveres and how he takes that step to the next level and says, you know what? I got to adjust. I got to be better. But if this keeps rolling on, you have to wonder, because we've seen some coaches in the NFL question themselves. Urban Meyer is doing that in Jacksonville because he's actually losing. He doesn't get to pick his opponents. He's never lost three straight games in his life. In his life, he's already lost three. He said, well, the NFL's like facing Alabama every week. No. You know what, Urban? It's better than Alabama because you're facing the best of the best. You're not facing Akron because the state mandates you to face Akron. You're facing the NFL. Brand, you, you have the Brandon Staley's of the world who say, damn it, I'm facing the Kansas City Chiefs, and I'm not kicking the field goal to beat them. I'm going to punch the ball down their throat, and we're going to go for this. You have guys like that, and then you have guys like Urban Meyer. I think Nick Sariani falls in the middle right now. He's just kind of unsure what he wants to be. One week he's aggressive. One week he's not. He goes by what the what the chart says. Well, I, I sometimes I don't think that's a bad thing. He's trying to find his identity as a head coach right now. I just hope he doesn't go, you know, on the deep end in the deep end of the pool too too soon. That's basically where I'm trying to get this. And here's the issue, and it's something that <clears throat> excuse me, John and I talked about a lot uh, during the offseason when uh, the Eagles staff was put together. I don't know if he's got someone he can lean on. That he was given a lot of latitude, actually more latitude than Doug Peterson ever got in formulating his staff. And he chose a lot of guys that he knew around the league that he had relationships with. And a lot of them were young and are still young. Were They are still young. When I say were, I mean the day they were hired. So now we're six months later. Guess what? They were young then. They're still young now. And there wasn't the veteran stabilizing hand in that group that he could lean on, that he could go to and say, I'm getting nuts with all his criticism. How do I handle it? What do I do? He doesn't really have that guy. It's certainly someone outside of the building if he's leaning on anybody because his fellow staff guys aren't guys that are any better positionally uh, qualified to, to deal with stuff like this than he is. And I do have some questions about his relationship with Howie Roseman, how much is Howie dictating to him if he goes to Howie hat in hand with questions. That's not going to go well since Howie's telling him what to do anyway. That is scary, Jeff, that uh, right now I don't know who Nick Sirianni goes to if he has any questions, if he has any doubts, if he has any concerns about how he should be handling things. I'm not sure he's got a guy in that building who we can count on and depend on to guide him correctly. Yeah. And you know, I'll bring back Andy Reid and Ray Rhodes references here. One of the Ray Rhodes' best hire. I mean, John Groom was a great hire, but he was a young coach. Emmett Thomas was a veteran. 
And I think that's who Ray Rose went to. I think Andy Reid obviously went to Jim Johnson, a veteran coach in the National Football League with the Indianapolis Colts. You know, he was a defensive coordinator there. A guy he could trust. You're right. Who is Nick Sirianni? Go, Kevin Petullo? Is that the guy? You know, like, because Shane Steichen's a young coach. And, again, he's been around the league, but young coach. Um, I think he's a good developer of quarterbacks. But, you know, I mean, look at Justin Herbert. But Justin Herbert may be just a phenomenal talent like Patrick Mahomes. We don't know. Um, the defense coordinator, Jonathan Gannon, okay, he's been with him. Can But, again, I just don't see this veteran. The only veteran I see is Jeff Stoutland. And maybe – this is where this is where I kind of get upset at the Eagles a little bit for letting Deuce Staley leave because I think he would have been the perfect guy for this. I loved that one thing I'll say about the Detroit Lions. I've been watching the Lions a lot. I watch the whole league, but Detroit Lions stink and they're playing hard. They are playing really, really hard for Dan Campbell right now. It's that you could tell they are just outbeat, outclassed, but they're in football games. And I think a lot of that has to do with Dan Campbell and the staff he put around them. Anthony Lynn, Deuce Staley. Deuce Staley was a tr- tremendous hire. And again, I, I'm a big Deuce guy. I get it. But I think that may have been the guy, you know. And I get it. He had to move on. The Eagles weren't giving him the chance to become right. a head coach. But maybe he should have been the guy. Or maybe he, they should have tried to keep him around and say, and Deuce probably didn't want this anymore. Right. They, they, Jeff, you know this. I know this. Yeah, yeah. They had no choice. Uh, yeah, they weren't no going to keep Deuce around. His contract was up. He wasn't going to stay. It was either head coach or he moves on. And I want to say, yeah, I kind of thought at the time he should have been head coach. And two games in, I'm standing by that stance. That's cool. But you can't say, oh, they should have worked harder to keep him. No. It no. was cut yeah, and dry. Exactly. Either he was going to be the head coach or he was going to be somewhere else. I, I will cut the organization that much more, that much slack. Uh, there wasn't anything they could do to keep Deuce Daly as a much needed uh, helping hand on Nick Sirianni's staff, especially a guy like Nick Sirianni with no uh, experience whatsoever uh, as a head coach and limited experience as a coordinator. There was no way that Deuce was going to stay on his staff. Yeah, they just needed a Deuce Staley type, I guess. And, uh, I mean, really, it's where I was basically – I guess you should just hire Deuce. And, you know, just let Deuce kind of run the show. Say, hey, hey man, this is your chance, you know, and, you know, roll with it. But that's where I was getting. Like, Dan Campbell has that Deuce Staley to go to. Yep. Nick Sariani should have got a guy like that. And it, maybe it's Kevin Petullo. I don't know. But it just doesn't seem like there's a guy with tons of veteran experience that he can, you know – behind closed doors to say, hey, man, you help me out here. It's, you know, it's getting really tough. I don't want to go to Howie Roseman on this. I need to go to you. Yeah, yeah, man, this is what you got to do, like that type of thing. And I w- Let me uh, say this before we punch Johnny Mack up. Um, here's what happens when you change coaches in the National Football League. Jets, Robert Sala, 0 for 3. Um, Urban Meyer down there in Jacksonville, 0 for 3. Uh, Eagles, Knicks are at one for two. Dan Campbell in Detroit, 0 for three. Um, hey, at least Arthur Smith got a win. He beat up on the Giants last week, yeah. so he's one and two. So there's how many guys there? Five, so that's 15 games. Two and 13 with new coaches in the National Football League this year. We're not counting Brandon Staley because he's got Justin Herbert. <laughs> good, good point. Very true. All right, he is uh, <laughs> my guy, Jeff Kerr. In for John McMahon. I'm Jody McDonald. John McMahon is coming up next. What? Yes. 
Johnny Mac down in Dallas was there for the game last night. He's scheduled to hop on as a guest on his show here on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero carbs, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Bit of a tough one here today on Birds 365. Susie, you they did down here in Dallas. Hey, at least I was sitting on my comfortable couch. John McMullen had to fly all the way down to Dallas to watch that disaster last night for the birds. How was your flight, J-Mac? The flight was okay. We'll see. We'll see about the one back. Uh, That's still to be determined. Uh, As good as you can get it. Yeah, obviously disappointing Uh, from the Eagles perspective and, that was kind of my fear manifesting itself in that uh, if they got in a shootout, they weren't equipped for it. And they got in a shootout, and they weren't equipped for it. So 
it's not surprising, but obviously when you lose to a, a division rival like that with that kind of performance, it's it's tough to spin anything positive out of it. I, since you want to bring up positivity, John, you kind of made me pivot here. Uh, was there any positivity from any player in this game or anything? Uh, Javon Hargrave, I thought, played well uh, early in the game, especially, and continues to, to dominate. Uh, didn't have much help on the defensive side of the football. Uh, certainly from the linebackers, uh, I thought they finally, uh, that weakness finally showed and pretty consistently um, against the Cowboys, you could run the football. But interestingly, you know, the Cowboys didn't get any gas runs. I think their longest run was 13 yards, but it was five, six, every single time, just just consistently because those linebackers can't hold up and run support. Um and it's almost to the point you got to get T.J. Edwards on the field and, and accept his coverage limitations uh, if you're going to stop running games moving forward because people are watching that film, believe me. Um, and they're just going to double-team Fletcher Cox and Javon and say, okay, let's see if the other guys can can tackle and beat us. So that that's a big concern. Uh, Aaron Sipos <laughs> was, was uh, solid again. Uh, and maybe that means something in a close game down the road uh, somewhere because he's uh, he's been really impressive, especially pinning teams back. Other than that, uh, you know, mainly I got to talk about AT&T Stadium and, and the class outfit uh, Jerry Jones runs, and people don't want to hear about that. So no. All right. uh, uh, enough of this positivity. They got their asses kicked. Let's stick to the facts, Jack. Like, was Ryan Kerrigan actually ever on the field? I see where it says he was out there for 30-some-odd percent of the snaps. Um, I didn't notice him. He sure as hell didn't make a tackle. I don't think he was involved in a play. When Brandon Graham went down, we speculated as to how the Eagles are going to fill that void. Well, whatever Ryan Kerrigan was supposed to give him, he gave him not a squat last night. Where the hell was he? Yeah, I mean, I, well, I think the thumb surgery was a little bit more uh, a bigger deal than the Eagles admitted at the time. And, and Ryan says, he said it this week leading up to the game, you still can't grab. So it's pretty difficult uh, if you can't use your hands uh, to be effective. But look, I... I I can't. I can't get to Ryan Kerrigan. I hear what you're saying, Jody, but I, I got to get to 57 things before I get to Ryan Kerrigan. I mean, why? You know, why is Patrick Johnson? On, you know, Jonathan Gannon, who I I really like and I really have a lot of respect for, and I think he's going to be a good coach in this league for a long time. I think he's going to be a head coach. I don't know what the heck he was trying to do at the beginning of that game. And you know, Nick Sirianni always says, "Players, players, players." Well. Maybe JG can learn a lesson from that. Although Nick, you know, Nick's not the one to look for lessons today. But you know, put Josh Sweat out there. I, you know, I, I don't want to see Patrick Johnson. I want to see three, four looks. You don't have Brandon Graham. Put Josh Sweat out there. I don't want to see that nonsense, uh, especially when the lesser players aren't getting it done. You're not fooling anybody. Uh, and I think got a little bit too much into that, especially early in the game. And, you know, if anything, 
Mike McCarthy gave the Eagles a break uh, at the end of the half with some just mind-numbing time management. And you thought, man, if they come out in the second half and, and play well, they could get back in this game. And they gave them an, an open door, and they just they couldn't do anything with that Cowboys offense. And when the Cowboys did fail, it was generally from shooting themselves in the foot. John, I'll go a little higher on the priority this year. I think this area, honey, I don't know if you got to see any of the game broadcast yet, but when Derek Barnett had his penalty, you could read Nick Sirianni's lips. It's always him. It's It was clear as day what he was saying. Are we yeah. finally I, I didn't it? see it, but I, I heard about it. I sure heard about it. People were talking about it. Um, yeah. th- this team has 35 penalties. And, again, people are going to take this as um, – and remember, those are accepted penalties. Right. I don't know how many were declined yesterday. Uh, they lead the NFL by, I think, eight total penalties. Um, they uh, have the most penalties through three games in franchise history. And ain't just Derek Barnett, and that's not defending him because he's the worst, probably the worst culprit. But then as a head coach, you don't do that. You got to know that the, the cameras are on you. You can't show that frustration. And Nick admitted he, he was frustrated uh, when he did that in his press conference uh, after you know, Jalen Hurts kind of did something similar to Devontae Smith. I heard, I haven't seen the broadcast, when Devontae Smith fell down. And oh, by the way, he's getting out physical. Um, and we're back to 166 pounds. And we're back to, he's going to have hiccups as a, as a rookie wide receiver. And he's just not physical enough against NFL corners at this point. Um yeah, but when your head coach shows that outward frustration, it, it, it's obviously not a good thing. Um, I get his frustration, but it isn't always Derek. It's 35 stinking penalties. Uh, and again, if you add in the, the penalties that aren't accepted, you're way over that mark. This looks like an undisciplined bunch. And then we start, you know, we're, we're a long ways away from week one because now we start to, do they practice enough? Do they, you know, do they have a chance to get disciplined? What the heck is going on here? And it ain't good. couple of things, J-Mac. Uh, I'll hold up on the questioning Devontae Smith just yet because, he fell down untouched on the pick six. And that's what he and Jalen Hurts were talking about. Jalen went over and said, what happened? And Devontae kind of said, I fell, which he did. <laughs> untouched had nothing to do with being out physical. But he's it was being one out play. physical in a consistent fashion. And, and that's a concern. That is a concern. The best receiver on this team through three weeks has been Quez Watkins. That's now, I, I like Quez. Uh, Quez is, you know, not getting attention, so you have to add that into the context. Uh, the other guys get more attention. But if you look at Devontae Smith and Jalen Rager, those are supposed to be your playmakers. And they're not making plays. And they're not helping the quarterback, and maybe the quarterback's not helping them. But they're all young, and they're all having issues. And unfortunately, these are our worst concerns coming to life right in front of us. John, let me follow up on something you said about discipline and, and practicing. 
that's how I started today's show because uh, all the big guys writing after last night's game. No one suggested this team looked woefully unprepared last night. Coming into the game, everybody thought they had a chance, good competitive. And then they just went out and didn't compete. Were beaten at the point of attack badly. Stupid penalties, one after the other after the other. You're right. Not only Derek Barnett, he didn't get 13 last night. The Eagles got 13. So that's across the board. What happened to we don't need to practice harder, we'll practice smarter. And going all the way back, as Jeff pointed out, to the preseason workouts. When the Eagles were one of the teams that said, mandatory, mandatory. As long as we can all hold hands, sing kumbaya, and agree that we're going to show up, we'll just do a little work and get the hell out of Dodge. Can we now officially stamp the Eagles' overall organizational sta- uh, stance of how to handle preseason as a, as a failure? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you could say it, it, it is a failure. I mean, I, I think if you go back to the negotiation, it wasn't much of a negotiation. The players weren't coming in, so the Eagles spun it as, okay, let's do this, and then we'll get a few guys to come in. And I, and by the way, I don't think that's Nick Sirianni's fault, but um, it, it's just the, the tact that the NFLPA took in the offseason, not only in this city, but in a lot of cities. And the Eagles didn't have a veteran coach that could put his foot down. You know, a rookie head coach can't put his foot down and say, no, you guys show up um, or this or this or that. So I don't put much stock in that. But I look at it like this, Jody, is that, you know, they only did it for one reason. They only practiced the way they practice for one reason. And that's to legislate injuries. And I always say you can't legislate injuries. Well, you can. I overstate that. You know, if you're not on the field, you're probably not going to get hurt. Uh, But when you do get on the field, that's not going to help you. The fact that you weren't on the field before, it's probably going to hinder you. There's no scientific proof of that, but it's probably going to hinder you if you you go with the callous hand theory. You know, if I show up to the docks tomorrow, I'm not going to feel pretty good because I'm not used to it. Or if I go crab fishing on the deadliest catch, I'm not going to feel too good because I'm not used to it. Uh, I think there is something to playing professional football and you got to toughen yourself up for what comes. And now we're seeing injury after injury after injury after injury. And we'll hear about Isaac Samalu later, but it's sure Jason Kelsey was talking like that could be a season ending injury. So we'll see. And already the offensive line, uh, the attrition is 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 pretty significant now. Jordan Mailatis, luckily his injury is not that serious. Uh, Brandon Brooks will be back at some point, so it's not quite as bad as last year. But all of a sudden the injuries are piling up, and Kayvon Wallace is hurt again. You know what? Did, what did that preseason do other than get you to week one healthy, and then the attrition starts? John, you were a little concerned last week about. Nick Sirianni, you know, the sleepless nights comment and, you know, basically him kind of doubting himself, him kind of questioning himself in this league. And Jody and I were talking about this earlier. How do you feel he reacted last night, just in game and post game, just uh, overall, like, is he still kind of creating that cloud of self-doubt in him? Well, in game, he was an abject disaster. I mean, he got punched in the mouth and, and just, yeah, he he curled up in a ball 
Uh, I didn't see any adjustments. I didn't see any trying to change things. I didn't see anything. I mean, I'm surprised we've gotten this far in the conversation without talking about Miles Sanders getting two runs in a football game for the Philadelphia Eagles, who all, all their fan base does is talk about the run game, run game, run game, and how horrible Doug Peterson was and how horrible Andy Reid was. I can't picture their top running backs getting two carries in a game. Um, and, you know, there's a bunch of people, and I, <laughs> there is a bunch of people in this organization who used to work for this organization who were telling me, assuring me, oh, Nick Sirianni's going to scheme these guys up. Nick Sirianni's going to do this. Nick Sirianni's going to do that. Doug Peterson was this and negative, and Doug Peterson didn't do this. The most glaring thing I saw, and it was per ESPN, so I want to credit their ESPN stats and info. The Eagles had zero plays with motion, pre-snap motion on offense. Zero. In an NFL game in 2021, Mr. I'm going to scheme everybody up, no pre-snap motion. So what the heck is going on there? Is the quarterback can't handle it? The young receivers can't handle it? What? I, I can't. I can't even get to the running game. That just blows my mind. And then I'm thinking about it. Yeah, I didn't see him. I didn't see him run any kind of jet motion, any kind of any kind of anything to try to get Dan Quinn's defense looking the wrong way, uh, having their eyes in a different direction with Sean McVay. And, you know, he's he's the toast of the NFL uh, uh, town and everybody wants to copy him. And Doug Peterson couldn't do all this. And we got the young, innovative coach on the cutting edge. Zero. Zero. And I can't explain it. That is a pretty jump-off-the-page stat that I didn't even realize from last night. Uh, certainly you did realize. Wait, when was the last time the Eagles ran the ball as the game was ongoing? And at the end of the game, you saw three. Three runs. Very good. Um, which was a bit of a surprise. Didn't see that one coming. Um, but here's the other thing that just annoyed me. John, above and beyond the fact that I think they were woefully ill-prepared, and it does go all the way back to July, that the Eagles took a specific course, and I think it's blowing up in their face right now. They were dominated at the point of attack. And uh, you, me, and everybody else who covered the Eagles said, well, the Eagles actually could be competitive. You and I went with eight wins because at least they match up with other teams in the trenches. Their offensive line is still a strong point. Their defensive line is more stout in the middle, but the outside could actually be okay, too. They got crushed at the point of attack in both of the two trenches last night. Uh, given the slack that the injuries have caused, and there's some involved, okay, but that's this much. How did they get so badly dominated by a Cowboy team that isn't known to be that great in the trenches, shoot there to take their number one draft pick and drop them down from linebacker to defensive end just to give themselves some kind of push on the defensive line. How embarrassing was the point of attack last night? 
Well, I, I think defensively, considering the Cowboys were down about, I don't know, six defensive linemen, some ridiculous number, I, I think that part of it was worse. But honestly, I look at the individual performances. I, I For instance, I didn't think uh, Andre Dillard played that poorly um, if you looked at it in-game. Uh, Landon in in comparison the, to Dickerson and Herbig, you're right. Andre Dillard played pretty well last night. Yeah, Landon got beat once really badly on that inside rush, and I imagine he's not going to grade out well again. And Herbig obviously came in late when the game was already lost, but uh, that's a concern moving forward. Um, I, I defensively, I mean, I, I, I. I well, I'll see how the grades come out, but I, I would say Javon Hargrave played great, uh, gave him headaches. They just double-teamed Fletcher and Javon on, on basic. That was their game plan. They just double-teamed him and said, okay, Eric Wilson, tackle somebody. And Eric Wilson can't tackle any. Well, that's not true. He tackles everybody, but six or seven yards downfield. Yeah. Uh, nice. And Alex Singleton – uh, wasn't much better. Um, you know, he probably had his worst game in a long time. Uh, I just look at that second level, and I was wondering how um, – I, this was my concern against San Francisco because they have the big reputation uh, as the great run scheme, and they were able to do it, and they played really well. And uh, Jonathan Gannon was able to mask it. And he couldn't do it yesterday. I mean, those guys were just getting destroyed. And part of it was Zeke, Ezekiel Elliott just carrying them. Um, because I get it, the, the, the most explosive run was 13 yards. But everything was six or seven or eight yards. And all of a sudden, you're in second or third and short. And that opens up the whole playbook. Um, so I think that was the biggest problem uh, defensively offense man you, you can point your finger everywhere it's something i mean the quarterback was was bad for people you know we we've talked about jalen hurts's accuracy many times jody and people get angry at me put on that film and watch that accuracy and now you know what we're talking about uh it was atrocious pretty much all night it was one of those games when there were plays to be made the throws were off um, the ball placement was terrible. I talked about the receivers. The running backs weren't even involved. Uh, yeah, when you're you're talking about, well, Andre Dillard wasn't a disaster. That was that that was the uh, the bar on the offensive line. They should have got beaten by more than they did. I mean, that was that was extended, extended garbage time. So anybody looking at these statistics and saying. Well, Jalen did some nice things late. Who cares? That's why I always say the NFL is not a statistics-based game. That was the definition of garbage time, significant garbage time. And that's the only reason the stats don't look terrible at the end of the game. John, one of the things, I just rolled my eyes at Nick Sirianni during the press conference last night when he just laid that bullcrap excuse about well, the game dictated itself, and that's why I only ran the ball three times. Miles Sanders busted a 24-yard run. They did like a two-yard scramble with her or whatever that was, and then he had a three-yard run, and that was it. 
uh, that's all we saw. Like, how can he possibly defend that's how the game is dictated? When it was still 27, they were at midfield in the second quarter. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. When he finally did uh, run the ball, which I think was late in the second quarter, um, he, he did get a nice run. Um, so that, I think, uh, makes it even worse. Um, you know, I think Jody asked me yesterday, what's the run-pass ratio going to be? Well, tell me he's up in the second half. <laughs> now, even I, I didn't think it would be this bad. Um, but you see how it manifests itself. Yeah, he, he completely panicked and, and totally forgot about the running game, other than Jalen Hurts, obviously, running the football himself. Um, I, 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 I had more of an issue with Nick saying, well, we thought, you know, because I've been talking about this for a while, we thought Dallas was going to be able to score some points, so we thought we had to, we had to keep up, and that was his game plan to keep up with this team. No, your game plan should be to figure out how to slow them down because you can't keep up with them. And he's like, we got to find a way to keep up with them. Well, you have to know your personnel, Mister Players, Players, Players. You don't have Dak Prescott. You don't have uh, a C.D. Lamb. You don't have Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, you don't have Tony Pollard. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, that to me was the far bigger issue of Nick Sirianni. You don't go, oh, we have to keep up with this team. No, you don't raise the white flag. You try to do what you did against San Francisco and Atlanta, knowing there's better offensive talent. Um you try to slow them down as much as possible. And by the way, you say, well, that's more of a defensive thing. Yes, it is. But you can help the defense by running the football. Maybe maybe have time of possession that isn't 12 minutes to three minutes, essentially, in the first quarter. Why not, you know, convert a third down. Scheme something up with motion. And maybe have some extra plays and you convert a third down, all of a sudden there's a run. There's another run. You convert another one. That's how it works. But they didn't convert a third down until I think there were eight, nine minutes maybe left in the third quarter. Uh, yeah, it was bad. It was bad. And Nick Sirianni did talk after last night's game. But we'll have his day after Prescott. No, no, today. he won't, Jody. None? No, they're, won't. they're completely passing on it? it completely passed. Not talking till Wednesday. Okay. Uh, too much work to do. Short week. Got to get in there to work seven hours on third downs. Work seven hours on red zone. Hey, Nick, when you're working those seven hours, how about put some pre-snap motion in your offense? In one of the, maybe an hour six. How's that? Think he'll be studying his press conference from last night? Uh, probably. <laughs> he takes this stuff too hard. Hey, uh, but right. yeah, I, I mean, that's a that is a bad performance by a rookie head coach, and a bad performance by a, a very young quarterback, and in, in start number seven. And unfortunately, it was on Monday night against your the fan base's biggest rival. All right, so let's uh, take a little peek ahead even beyond the work that the eagles are going to put on this week breaking down film and figuring out what went wrong hey 
they got a fellow one and two team coming up this weekend. (laughs) Same record as the Eagles. They're not facing off against a team with a better record. Unfortunately, it's the Kansas City Chiefs who have a little bit of a mad on, who have only been to the last two Super Bowls in a row. Could it be even uglier this weekend, John? Yeah, I mean, it could be. I I, I mean, um, Kansas City's obviously going to come in angry with that record. Uh, I would think Patrick Mahomes and, you know, let's hope Nick Sirianni doesn't say, we got to keep up with this team. We got to keep up with Patrick Mahomes. No, you better find another way, obviously. And we hope Andy Reid's okay. Uh, but that's some off the field stuff they have to, they have to deal with. So obviously they're not playing well. They're not playing nearly as well as they expected. People are talking about 17 and 0 nonsense with that team. Um, so, I, I mean, you got to take advantage of the fact you're at home. Uh, and maybe, you know, you do just what I said, because you want to shorten the game. If you're playing Dallas and um, Kansas City or Tampa Bay, who's coming up, you should want to short the game. shorten the game. Now, I know the analytics people are going to yell at me. I know the nerds are going to be on Twitter. You know, you can't do that. You can't worry about that. Look, if you don't have the talent to use all those numbers and go for fourth and five. You should have went for fourth and five. Everything's green light, green light, green light. Go for this, go for that. When you don't have anybody executing on the offensive side of the football, sometimes you have to take that that older school mentality and you do. And by the way, I'm the first to admit, your margin of error becomes much smaller. You have to play a certain way. You have to do everything correctly. The minute you get by, behind by two scores, the game is probably over. But that's the point. The goal is to not get behind by two scores. How do you do that against the Kansas City Chiefs? Keep the football away from them. Right. And the only way you can do that is to stay on the field and convert some damn third downs and run the football a little bit. I'm going to go out on a major limb here and predict more carries for Miles Sanders. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go than he had last well, night. I know it's a little. Uh, hey, every once in a while, you gotta go come with a hot take. Here's mine. Miles Sanders more carries next week against the Kansas City Chiefs. Are you with me, guys? I, I am with you. And let I, me you get one percent better every day. Yeah. Let me throw one more thing out there. You know, Jim Bob Cooter's here, but in a consultant role. We go all the way back to when this coaching staff was put together and we kept waiting for that veteran veteran name on the offensive side to help the first-time play caller. Boy, man, I would have loved to have seen that yesterday. Somebody to, to just be in Nick Sirianni's ear and say, hey, slow it down. We haven't run the football. We got to get it to Miles. We got to do this. Could be Kenny Gainwell. Could be Boston Scott. Something. Calm this down. You know, run a run a jet sweep. Try to scheme a first down. Somebody to get in his ear. I don't know who that is. You know, Kevin Petullo doesn't have that cachet. Shane Steichen doesn't seem to have that cachet. So that's a that's another problem that just stick in the file. John, I kind of wanted to point this out, too. Um, how much of this falls on um, the the guy who never seems to get fired at all, Howie Roseman, for 
the the coaching hire uh, or everything that is going on. It, he's the one constant why this team just gets worse and worse and worse every single season. Well, I, I I don't think he's a constant on that, because I think if Howie Roseman was was in charge of that, Josh McDaniels would be the coach of the Eagles. That is true, which, yeah. Which, by the way, I don't think would work, but um, I think that would have been the way they went. So that one goes, that that one sits squarely on on the big guy. I mean, Jeffrey Lurie made that decision, and look, it's it's it's. I'm not going to say Nick Sirianni's going to be a bad coach after three games, just like I wasn't going to say he's not a great coach after that first game when everybody was going to that extreme. Um, what I've said pretty consistently is you're going to have a lot of hiccups with a young rookie head coach who probably was skipping steps in his career at least a little bit, and you're seeing it, and it, it shouldn't be a surprise. Yeah, McMullen and I have been doing this together too long now because we both went down the where is the veteran stabilizing hand on his staff to be able to give Nick Sirianni a leg up when things go bad like they did last night in Dallas. J-Mac, good stuff. Uh, safe flight home. Uh, I will see you here with me tomorrow morning. Yeah, I'll be in late, but I'll be there. I'm always up. You know that. Okay. Get the dog out early so we're ready to rock at 8 o'clock. That is John McMullen, the usual co-host of this show. Good enough, lucky enough to have Jeff uh, Kerr with me today. We'll come back. We got a couple of loose ends to tie up. Man with Eagles loose last night. In their 41-21 to 21 beatdown at the hands of the Cowboys. Coming back, putting a bow on the show here on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glass is for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, 
injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Coming down the home stretch for the after a Monday night beat down by the Cowboys over the Eagles. Uh, Jeff Carr, I will say this. You want some good news? I'm going to try and find that silver lining in the cloud. How about this one? The Eagles have not drawn a penalty in 10 hours. It's been 10 hours since they got a penalty, Jeff well, Carr. That's improvement. <laughs> I haven't played in 10 hours, Jody. I, I mean, they, they haven't done a lot of stupid things in 10 hours. I, Nick Sirianni's... Uh, the smartest decision he probably made today was not speaking to us. Getting on the plane and coming home, he at least uh, was able to master that, or so we believe. Not sure that that's the case, uh, but they did just get their heads handed to him, and it doesn't get any easier with the Kansas City Chiefs coming down. Yeah. And uh, John said it is uh, still to be determined, but uh, he did get word uh, last night. I think he said it was Jason Kelsey who said, um, not necessarily good for Isaac Samalu, uh, that they'll certainly do an MRI and, and uh, do the further investigation. But if they lose Isaac again, Isaac missed a big chunk of last year. He was going to be one of the staples. We talked about, well, where is Landon Dickerson going to end up? Uh, and everyone speculates that eventually he's going to take the place of uh, Jason Kelsey at center. No, he's not. Pick or choose which side uh, you want him on as far as guards go, because he maybe has to step in for Brooks, or they may move him back over to the left side. Now to step in for Sayamalu, uh, no, that's uh, you're you're going to watch Dickerson grow as a guard because the Eagles' guards are dropping like flies. It's all over the place. No wonder why you know they put such value on Jack Driscoll and Nate Herbig and these guys because. Say Obama's hurt again. Brandon Brooks is hurt again. You know, some, thank God Lane Johnson's healthy. Uh, you know, who knows who they go with there? You know, Isaac Miller can't play right tackle. Jerome Lala's hurt. Jason Kelsey. Boy, do I respect the heck out of Jason Kelsey. I mean, Harvard in eight consecutive games at the toughest position to play in football. Center. Gets beat up every week. Does you know, doesn't complain, gets mad when he has to get taken out for an injury and just continues to grind and play at a Pro Bowl and All-Pro level. Eagles, retire the guy's number. Seriously. Like, his parade speech is going to be fifth on the list of why Jason Kelsey is an all-time Eagle because he is a damn good football player. And, oh, by the way, he's uh, at least been rumored to be thinking about retirement, what, three years running now? Please, Jason Never retire. We can't afford to have you retire because you're the only stable part of the Eagles offensive line. A name you will hear uh, this week. Uh, he was certainly brought up last week, but then 
passed into the netherworld, oh, he's coming back full force, is Jack Anderson, the guy they signed off another team's practice squad last week. And you never know. When you steal somebody off somebody's practice squad, I think it was a seventh-round draft pick, um, sometimes you find the diamond in the rough. Sometimes your old scouting reports leading into the draft pay off for you. Uh, he was claimed, so that means he was on the roster. He's one of the inactives last night. Oh, there's a chance he's active this week. Talk about what they're going to do, getting in those practice hours this week, shortened week because it's Monday night, so they're a premium. They may have to get Anderson up to speed right away because of the injuries they now have on the offensive line. Yeah, and, you know, it doesn't look like he'll be a healthy scratch this week. He'll he'll be an emergency tackle. He'll be something, you know, emergency lineman. I, I should be more clear there. But it's one of those, you know, I just keep thinking back, and I'm going to be in on Andy Reid's press conference Wednesday, assuming he speaks. You know, from what I heard, Andy Reid is okay, and the Chiefs did say he was going to basically go back to work Monday night. So Andy Reid's already trying to get ready for the Philadelphia Eagles, you know. I just keep thinking back. I'm like, what are the Chiefs going to do to this football team? It's, you know, it could be really ugly. So I hope it's not. But it kind of feels like, you know, remember Chip's first year when they played Denver and you expected the worst and you got even worse than that when Peyton Manning was on his record-setting tear? That's kind of how I feel it's going to be Sunday right now. It's They just... They're going to get, you know, I can't believe I'm going to say this. The Philadelphia Eagles are going to get dominated in the trenches. This should not happen. I think the defensive line will correct itself on Sunday. But with all the injuries of the offensive line, it's there's going to be a lot of pride on the line Sunday. And it's going to be tough because the way Jason Kelsey sounded about Isaac Samuel last night, you basically could shed a tear just based on how important Isaac Samuel is to that offensive line. Does not look good for the birds going into Sunday's matchup against the Chiefs. Well, we got three more days to talk about it here on Birds 365. Jeff Corey, I appreciate you putting in the two days for us these past couple. Thank you much. Uh, you know, we're going to get you up here again soon enough, brother. Thanks for uh, Monday, Tuesday. Always a pleasure. You know, it's it's September. It's it's that time of year. You got to call out of the bullpen. It doesn't matter how many innings pitched or how many uh, appearances you have. It's uh, You just go out there and you – I, I guess you pull a Hector Neris, if you will. You you just wave off Joe Girardi and say, "No, nah, man, I got this." We'll see if we'll see if Hector Neris gets a chance tonight. I know for a fact we'll be talking about the birds twenty two hours from now, right back here on Birds three sixty five. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, promo code STAPLE20. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.